Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy welcoming you to another episode of She Talks Peace. And here's my co-host. Hi, everybody. This is Ayesa Abubakar, and I'm based here at University Malaysia Sabah in Kota Kinabalu. So welcome again to She Talks Peace. Hey, Ayesa. How are you and Sam? What's going on at home? Oh, well, uh, we just came back from a conference at, uh, from Chiang Mai. Nice. We have joined a conference uh, organized by the NGO History Foundation of Korea and Chiang Mai University. And the topic was about ASEAN and civil society and uh, history and peace education. And I talked about ASEAN and civil society. So it was a very good conference. Not many people, uh, because basically it's really for those uh, invited uh, speakers Mostly uh, academics, NGO leaders, and some government officials. So it was a good conference. I think it's my first conference after all the lockdowns. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really good to be joining in the conference uh, momentum. Yeah, everybody's and, excited. Uh, us. And Chiang Mai is a very nice place to have a conference, yeah? It is pretty out there. And uh, of course, shopping was really good. <laughs> Ooh, wish I was yeah. with you it's my first time to go to Chiang Mai so it's my first time to see for myself that they actually produce their own cotton yes, so a lot do. of the clothes are handmade clothes made of their own locally produced cotton so that's what I bought I bought a lot of all this Chiang Mai fashion style made of Chiang Mai cotton any, any of them my size Ayesa? Yes, definitely. It's for everybody. <laughs> yeah, but the Chiang Mai people are very stylish in a uh, indigenous way. So it's such a good thing to see instead of the normal fashion style that we see, you know, like the Korean style or, you know, Manila style. This one is the traditional clothing, but in a way it's been modernized and the materials are all locally made. I agree. 
I agree with you. It's beautiful when you when really you showcase your your culture. You you live. You wear your culture. It's so unique and actually very comfortable. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's also it's always good to visit. You know, some of these places in Thailand because you know it's it's not usual that when we go to all these markets, a lot of the goods and wares that they sell are really homegrown. They are not imported from China. Not imported from Europe or US, not made from other places, but everything is grown or made in in that locality in Thailand, in Chiang Mai. Yep, go local. How is it Philippines, by the way, Amina? How's the shopping there for local products? I haven't really done much shopping over the last two and a half years. I used to go to the Sunday markets regularly and uh, look at what local stuff we have. But because of the pandemic, uh, most of these markets were closed. And of course, you know, I'm a senior citizen, so I couldn't <laughs> go out at all. So, <laughs> yeah, well, so over the weekend, spent most of the time at home, but I did have time to watch uh, the eulogies for our former president, uh, Fidel V. Ramos. The one uh, that um, we, the members of his cabinet, organized. You know, I was his presidential advisor for youth yeah. affairs, right? You were That's a college student. Too. You were a college student at the time, so you were well, one of the leaders, right? In National Youth Commission, right? But listening to the eulogies, it hit me that we didn't really talk much about how. Uh, President Ramos empowered not just the women in his cabinet, but supported policies that were truly gender sensitive. He was a very genderized uh, leader. And yet, well, you know, FDR was a military man. But you know, he's really the most genderized leader, uh, president that uh, I know. You know what, Ayesa? I remember uh, there was a convention held at Malacanang Palace. This was the first Philippine Women Lawyers Convention in 1994. And President Ramos was the keynote speaker. And uh, this is what he said. I, I wrote it down. He said the Philippines 2000, that was his uh, development uh, plan, that we seek to achieve is premised not only on economic growth, as important as it is, but also on social justice and compassion, which give a human face and purpose to development. And we cannot reach Philippines 2000 hobbling on one foot. To make great strides, we need both feet on the ground, Ayesa, those of men and those of women. Thus, we seek to empower women to give them fuller control of their own lives and choices by giving them more and better opportunities for livelihood, education, and self-improvement. We want the Filipino woman to feel and to fulfill her co-equal status as an active partner in nation building. Can you imagine that? A general <laughs> saying that, Kaisa? Do you think, Amina, that has something to do also knowing that President uh, Ramos, he has all daughters, right? 
And yes. I think all the daughters and the wife herself are very much um, high achievers. Do you think that's one of the reasons how, you know, he is used to having, you know, very influential and very talented women around him? Very empowered think? women around him. Yes. We used to give him that, um, you know, the influence of uh, Mrs. Ramos, um, Tita Ming, really shaped his uh, appreciation of women. And don't forget his sister. The late Senator Leticia Ramos Shahani. I don't think that uh, Tita Leti, as as all of us called her, I don't think Tita Leti would allow FDR not to be gender sensitive. You know. True. That's true. I actually met them for the last time in Kuala Lumpur. I think this was sometime in two thousand five. Yeah, I met them both. They were the guests by the Philippine Embassy in Kuala Lumpur. And yeah, I was also there and you know, I listened to his speeches uh, with Senator uh, Shahani and former President Ramos. Yeah, it was a good thing that, you know, it, it was a good memory for me meeting them in person. And of course, it's a, because it's a small audience, you know, we get really to talk to them, you know, up in uh, personal and close. Yep. And um, of course, you remember that he appointed really confident um, powerful women to his cabinet. I was his presidential advisor on youth affairs. Emmy Boncodin was uh, the head of budget and management. Erlinda Petianco was secretary for education. Nieves Confessor for labor. Corazon Alma de Leon and then Lina Laigo for social welfare and development. Carmencita Riodica, uh, secretary of health. Narcelina Lim, and then Mina Gabor for tourism. Uh, Lenny De Jesus uh, was the head of the presidential management staff and later the cabinet secretary. And the very feisty Heidi Yorak was the first advisor. Yeah, I remember all of them clearly. I mean, I know. Uh, uh, yes, definitely they were, they really impressed you know, younger women like myself, you know, during that time, you know, especially every time that they were interviewed on television. So by the time that I went to AIM, you know, to study uh, development management and uh, Professor Nieves Confessor became my professor. Yeah, I was really so excited to learn from her, knowing precisely that, you know, she she has contributed so much you know, during the time of FDR. And- yep. And then uh, the... National Commission on the Role of Filipino Women. We had uh, uh, Meli Nicolas and uh, Dr. Patricia Liquanan. I mean, you know, his his government was filled with a powerhouse of uh, women leaders. He really was not intimidated by by strong women, Ayesa. That's why I'm so happy that today we have uh, two of these strong women who were with the Ramos government. Joining us today are uh, former Health uh, Secretary Carmencita Chitriodica and uh, Dr. Patricia Tati Liquanan. Let me just tell you something about these incredible women. Dr. Chitriodica uh, is a veteran public health worker. She rose from the ranks. She spent like 30 years plus in the Department of Health. 
and she broke the mold. She was the first woman to be appointed health uh, secretary in in the Philippines. And um, at present, uh, Dr. Chit is the president of the Center for Health Innovations. She is uh, on the board of trustees of the Rizal Chapter Red Cross, the Justice Palma Foundation, and the Jerry Rojas Foundation. Welcome, Dr. Chit. Hi. I'm happy to be here. I'm honored and flattered to be here. And our second uh, guest, Dr. Patricia Liquanan. Her friends call her Tati. Tati is a social psychologist, an educator, and a woman's rights and empowerment activist. She has been professor and chair of the Department of Psychology, academic vice president of the Ateneo de Manila University, and president of Miriam College. She served as chairperson of the Commission on Higher Education, appointed by uh, the late uh, President Benito Simeon Aquino. She chaired the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. That was during FDR's uh, term, I think. And at the UN Fourth World Conference on Women held in Beijing in 1995, she led the negotiations on the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, which is the landmark global brew, uh, blueprint for gender equality and women's rights. Welcome, Tati. Thank you, Amina. Happy to be here. Nice to meet you, Ayesa. Hi, Dr. Patricia. Nice to meet you, too. So, let's start sharing our stories and gossiping about our time during the Ramos administration. Tati, when uh, when you were uh, with uh, the National Commission and the role of Filipino women, what did you really think about FDR uh, and his ideas about empowering women? Well, what stands out to me is that he was very supportive of the Philippine Commission on Women. At that time, we called it the National Commission on the Role of Filipino Women. And I guess, just to explain, the, the commission is the policy-making and oversight agency that is mandated to ensure that government work all contributes to gender equality. So we are the national machinery for women. He was very supportive of us. And basically, you know, was quite unusual, but we had quarterly meetings with him. I think he's the only president that did that. With President Aquino, we would meet twice a year, every semester, but with FBI, it was every quarter. And we would discuss policy and, and, and program matters. Uh, I remember too that he had, we had this system of ranking government offices on how successful their mainstream gender mainstreaming efforts were. And he was also very supportive of that and allowed us to do this and report to him. Also, you mentioned the Beijing conference. He was very supportive of the Philippine delegation. You were there, Amina, right? At, at the Beijing. And, and they, it was a very high pressure uh, position that we were in as the Philippines. 
as you said, I was chair of the negotiations and Philippines was chair of the group of 77. And so that which is always a very rambunctious and contentious group. So, but we always felt we had the backing, we had the backing of President Gomez. So we were very happy with him in the commission. Oh, I had that story I forgot to say. Yes. <laughs> Basically, he, remember, he's very, he's well known for this Bibinka principle. Uh, yeah, the Bibinka, yeah. yeah. That's attributed to him. But actually, he got that from us. He got that from the Commission on Women and the Women's Movement. We used it a couple of times with him. Then all of a sudden, we saw that he was using it now. So we were quite excited. But maybe for the for the listeners who are not Filipino, of course, all of us know what the bibinka is, no? But the bibinka is a native delicacy that is cooked uh, with the batter, the cake batter on a terracotta dish with fire, with hot coal on top and hot coal at the bottom. So basically we say it's cooked with fire on the top and fire on the bottom. And that refers to the need for policy, legislation, support from top leadership, as well as organization, mobilization, and action of the grassroots, not fire from the bottom. So that's how we used it in the women's movement. He adjusted it a little bit to talk to refer to government and private sector. But anyway, we like that. The Bidinka principle, he picked it up from us. And that's, I feel that's a sign also of his closeness and his respect for the commission. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I remember Those are my favorite stories about the commission, yeah. And Tati at the cabinet, he also loved uh, serving Bibinka, right, Chit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Dr. Chit. Hi, good afternoon, Maybe Dr. could tell us uh, more about how did he generally treat you know, all the women in, in the cabinet? Because I'm sure, you know, everybody has different portfolios, but... You know, how is it? Was he being a fair person to all the women or were their favoritism? And, and how about the younger uh, middle managers in, in the cabinet, especially the, the younger women? How was it like, Dr. Chi? Okay, um, in line with uh, what Amina said in the postcard, the um, conviction of every are about the competence and capability of women were demonstrated by the fact that you know, he had a lot of women 
beautiful and multi-talented, passionate women around him. Uh, not only the cabinet, but the positions in his uh, administration. So, what what impresses me was that that his deep disciplinary attitude as a military was blended by being soft, caring, and warm to us women in the cabinet, much to the envy of our male counterparts. Ano eh, malabot ang puso niya pag babae kami eh. Di ba, Tati, uh, uh, Mia? Um, maybe because he always believed that women can do as good, if not better, than men. And I think we were able to prove that beyond doubt. Okay, um, I remember, um, for me, no, personally, there is no better demonstration of his belief in women's capability and competency by breaking, as mentioned by Emil, he broke the tradition in a male-dominated Department of Health. Uh, he appointed me as the first woman secretary of health, and at that time, the Department of Health was beleaguered by issues of graft and corruption. My predecessor was a political appointee. So, made you, you know, it's, it was really a, 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 you know, a breaking of the uh, broke tradition by appointing a career woman for the first time in this um, important uh, position in the DH. And his marching order to me was because we were at the SWS survey, we were at, we were at the top agency identified associated with that interaction. And he gave me the, the marching order made up the practices in person which was a call order because I'm very sure most of these corrupt practices have been there for years and many of those corrupt officials were of course my associates and colleagues. So okay with that I had to I was um, I had the result to do that house cleaning to start with him. And with God's grace and with his backing, I was able to do that. Much to the anger and disappointment of my colleagues. I had to deliver, and I really felt it was my mission to do that. It was just good that I had no skeleton in my closet that day. <laughs> I cannot do that, Viva. <laughs> yes. Okay, during these times, uh, I, I also remember na yung mga Beijing conference, Cairo uh, conference, ano eh, where reproductive health, family planning, yeah. oh, yeah. was being oh, discussed. Yeah. And he gave us his full support. He never interfered with our, with our position. He gave us full respect and he supported all of our position. And that is very uh, inspiring to all of us women. So um, I just learned that uh, when he appointed me, he was being persuaded by other colleagues in the political arena to point another male in my position. But he, he, he was resolved to appoint me, and I will be forever thankful to that. That's why when when the term of FBR ended, and I was assured that I will be appointed, but I had to slide down first as you said, because I was a career. You know, for the sake of women, Amina and Daddy, I refused that. I said I want to, to maintain the image of a woman, first woman secretary. So, uh, I have very fond memories of FBR. Mag, ano eh, malambot ang puso niya pag babae. 
No? We can joke him, we can tease him, but the surprise of our male colleagues. No? That's true. We can get away with him. <laughs> Even during cabinet meetings, uh, we used to joke him. He takes it with a stride and smile. So that's it. That's why Pandey Collection is FBR. Never intimidating. He brought out the best in us. Yeah. He was, you know, he was a visionary. Um, he was a, an enabler, an inspiration. He brought bring out the best in everyone. But let's talk a little bit more about the the move to support reproductive health services. Happy you remember how FDR really fought for that. I mean, the Catholic Church was against it. There were so many uh, faith-based organizations um, who came out and protested about it. But he was very steadfast. And we did have a discussion with him about that, right, Daddy? Yeah. Yeah, we we really, uh, he was one of the presidents who could stand up to the pressures. And some people attributed it to the fact that he was Protestant, you know. They said he doesn't feel, you know, so as beholden to the Catholic Church. But that, that was true. He really had showed guts. And I will, I will apply that also to the positions in Beijing. That was also very controversial, reproductive health, you know. And we were quite aware of the fact that there were missions built. People would be talking to the, the Philippine mission and, you know, to try and influence, uh, the Philippines, me as chair. And then the, the Philippine delegation also, I guess, in the group of 77. But no, it was never communicated to us that, you know, okay, you have to do this. So we were very, we felt very free and confident in fighting for whatever controversial positions we had to take. So we're very grateful to him for that. Yes, may I say something? Oh yeah, cheat, because DOH is under the gun for that. Yeah, um, you know, during FBR's um, presidency, family planning really and reproductive health is a hot, very hot issue. Even adolescent health, that you remember? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Of course. Oh, yeah. Sex education yeah. was very controversial. Yeah, no, no. Sex education was a no-no for the church. Yeah, yeah. It was also a uh, critical issue during, yeah. So what we did, I talked to him and I said, uh, Mr. President, you know, Secretary Prabhupada came in too strong for the family planning program. He was method-oriented. If you recall, so I said, let us, uh, let's veer away from that. Let's make it concept-oriented. Let's promote family planning reproductive health, not as a population issue, but as a health issue. And he, he uh, agreed with that, no? So we strengthened adolescent health, maternal and child health, so he was very receptive. He is open to to recommendations. He listens to you. Hindi siya ano? Hindi siya sabing no, no, we cannot do that. But he listens, and as as long as you're able to explain, and that did ah treating the productive health and family planning, adolescent health as a health issue, not as a reproductive or population issue. That worked well. I think Tati knows that. Kakasamper natin araw. 
Uh, yes, I remember the the debate um, about that because even even in at the cabinet, uh, people were kind of divided about that issue because we did have some very um, uh, religious Catholics uh, in in the cabinet. But um, I guess Chief, uh, the president was really also looking at the fact that um, we had a huge percentage of our population who were poor, poorer than poor, and with very, very high population growth rate. So I guess that really factored into his decision-making, right, Chick? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. You know, Pierre's style is that he always associates uh, demography, uh, rapid increase runaway population with the need, increasing demand, and inability of government to respond to that need. So you always associate that, no? That's why it was easier to educate even our investors because they always look at health as an expenditure rather than as investment. So uh, we were we work along that line and uh, we even had dialogues with the Catholic Church and they saw that we are not really just uh, promoting abortion, contraceptive methods, but it has to be associated with the overall economic, social, economic development of our country. I remember in, in, in Cairo, uh, Kathy, uh, there was a debate on abortion and I was the lead of the um, health sector and, uh, there was a, a statement, uh, acceptance of all legally promoted contraceptive methods. And I stood up, I said, except abortion, because, you know, and everybody was saying, Pumayag ka na kasi in Vatican, di na nagsasal. No, no, sabi ko, I don't know, except abortion in our country. Well, in my, in other countries, it may be acceptable, but in our country, it's not acceptable. So I, I want to emphasize that, that while we agreed in the general statement, Promotion of all legally acceptable consensus except abortion is applicable to the Philippines. Besides that cabinet, uh, how about in terms of the political party? Uh, FVR was the chair of Lakas and UCB, right? Were there during that time? Were there a lot of uh, women uh, politicians also? You know uh, that were uh, in a way supported, well supported by FVR. So can we see oh. the same increase of more women in, in not only in cabinet but also in politics? I mean, oh yes, I can I can answer that. Yes, because uh, of the of the three of us, I was the more political animal. Okay, <laughs> and definitely, definitely yes, he really did um, support greater participation of um, women in politics. And I'll tell you one story. FDR wanted a youth wing of the Lakas and UCD UMDP party, similar to what AMNO had in Malaysia. You have the AMNO youth, right? Except the leader of AMNO youth was old. But in, in the Philippines, the president of the Lakas youth was his nephew, Ranjit. Uh, Shahani, you remember him, right, Tati and Chip? So Ranjit was the, the president. And then one day, FBR calls me to his office and told me, I need you to join Lakas Youth 
and help Ranjit and you be Secretary General because because he said, you know, Ranjit um, Ranjit is not as organized. So you run the you run Lakas Youth as the Secretary General, and I will support you uh, all the way. So Ranjit and I collaborated. And uh, it turned out really well because we got more young people into Lakas Youth to be very active. People like um, the one who is now governor, uh, the daughter of uh, Secretary Amante. So we had we had so many. Josie de la Cruz of uh, Bulacan, who became governor of Bulacan later, and also joined the national government under uh, subsequent uh, presidents. So he was not, uh, he didn't think that uh, women had no role in politics. If he, he thought that you could contribute, didn't matter whether you were male, female, you contribute. So Ranjit and I became partners in organizing Lakas Youth. So yes, yes, uh, even in politics, he was very supportive of uh, women's participation. I was going to, you know, to try to, um, to come up with some contrast, you know, and like the recent, uh, the more recent president, a uh, presidency of President Duterte, where, you know, out in public, you know, he, he is portrayed as a gentleman. At the same time, he is, you know, also promoting, you know, um, very uh, vocal about uh, when he, you know, he wants to describe women in a not uh, in a negative way to some extent. So I wonder how it was during the time of FBR, even in closed door meetings, was he a gentleman all throughout, like hundred percent, or were there just also that he would call out women and and make use of labels or names? Was he like that in your experience? You know, in this. We, we've been through many years of really rather misogynistic comments coming from the very top. And I must say, truly, I found all in all the years I, we were dealing with President Ramos, he was characteristically very gracious, very respectful of people, male and female, and was always diplomatic. I have one very, we have one very vivid memory among the group, you know, one of our very feisty and prominent feminists at one forum reacted to him in characteristic, sarcastic, sarcastic manner, which is typical mm. of her. But throughout <laughs> that, she, he remained calm, cool, and smiling. You know? So he was very good at that. And then there was also this time, this was also very vivid in our memory in the commission. The the commission released a press statement criticizing comments that he had made in a, I won't mention the name, in a celebrated a domestic violence case that involved one of his, one of his allies. Of course, of course he reacted quite negatively to this, no? But instead of calling out and reprimanding the official, he sent an emissary, an undersecretary, to talk to the executive director of the commission to explain his side. You know, I thought that was very uh, gentlemanly of him. And the fact that what he did not throw his weight around, 
He didn't throw his weight around. No, it's, it's really, that was very typical of FDR. So quite in contrast to what we've seen lately. <laughs> and we, we don't need to name names, right, Patty? Right, exactly. <laughs> he was very good with people, no? Considering. I think he was well-trained by uh, Mrs. Ramos and uh, and Senator Shahani because at the wake during the eulogies, I think one of the one of the grandchildren or, or somebody was uh, was talking about how Senator Shahani would never allow FVR to win in a in a discussion. So I guess she trained FVR really well. I, I can see that. No, no one can win an argument with uh, Senator Shahani. Senator Shahani. You know, he makes fun of women. He never makes fun of calls, call them names. Very respectful. Very respectful, yeah. No, very respectful. He doesn't joke about women, doesn't tease women in public. You know, and that's one thing also that um, up to now I remember him. You always carry yourself with dignity, with decency, with pride. You always remember the position you're holding, the position you represent. All advice, no, that um, really inspired me. And you know, up to now, no, if I recall them, people, what, what a great leader! What that's transformed us, no? uh, or whatever we had before. It just enkindled and. And uh, fired and, you know, brought us to the maximum uh, level of being of service with a sense of humility, pride, honor. Yeah, uh, during that time, it was really a, a pride to be a member of the Pramos cabinet. If I may say the best cabinet up to now, I, I am challenged. No? If anybody would like to object to that, I, I will, I know, I will <laughs> need to face them in a debate. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah, because uh, Ayesa, I think the, the secret was really in how, as a leader, he managed to make all of his cabinet and senior officials into Team Philippines. So you never lost sight of the vision. And whatever problems you had with each other, you had to, you had to resolve it because, you know, you were working on the goal for, for Team Philippines. Funny stories. I remember Tati. I think this was one of the very first gatherings of women at the palace. And I think it was organized by the, the NCRFW, by the National Commission on the Role of Filipino Women. I don't know if the two of you remember this, but I think maybe that day Mrs. Ramos got upset with him and Mrs. Ramos was in the conference and he, and she was sitting up front. So FBR comes in 
And after he's introduced and he talks and he addresses Mrs. Ramos uh, <laughs> directly, and she says, he said something like, uh, my first and only love. Do you remember that? And we were all laughing. And Mrs. Yeah, yeah. Ramos was, was trying to look upset with him. But I don't think she could remain upset with him for very long. Yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was reading in the papers um, how they described um, uh, Mrs. Ramos and uh, FDR's uh, relationship as a love story for the ages all through the ups and downs of politics and the personal relationship we have so much to learn from the two of them yeah actually uh, we have a lot of uh, serious moments with FBR we also have a lot of funny moments yes a lot, <laughs> of, them. A lot of them may I ask the three of since all three of you have been, you know, in this cabinet, uh, if you are going to say, um, you know, state at least two landmark, how do you call it, important uh, achievement of the Ramos administration, what would be those two achievements you know, for, for you as a member of the cabinet that have made Philippines uh, during that time, you know, really... Um, uh, successful. I just feel I have to I have to point out these initiatives of the Ramos administration. By the way, I was not in the cabinet. I was part of the commission. I wasn't even the chair at that time. I was a chair during Cory Aquino's time. But Melanie Nicolas was the chair of the commission during FDR's time. But one of the some of the most important initiatives during his term, first of all, you remember the Philippines chaired APEC. And he was, he was responsible for gender mainstreaming in APEC during our chairship. And it was then where the, what was it called? Senior Women Leaders in APEC was convened by the Philippines and Canada. And, you know, the, the women, I think the women business group also was formed, APEC. But locally, these are some of the, policy initiatives that I think are very important. First of all, the um, successor plan to the Philippine Development Plan for Women, the PPGD, Philippine Plan for Gender Responsive Development, was, uh, of course, it was launched in 1995. The anti-sexual harassment law was also in 1995. It was the beginning. Oh, very important. You mentioned Emmy Book from Codin. The God budget was institutionalized also during his term. Oh, yeah, that's right. For our listeners, uh, I guess uh, th that means that all government agencies and offices have to put aside 5% of their budget for gender equality and women's empowerment. It was also during his term that the Women's desks at the police stations were organized. No? So quite a number of initiatives that I'd like to credit FDR with. And no, I was not in his cabinet, but the commission was very active. Yeah. Yes, and there, there are a couple of other study. Um, the Women in Development and Nation Building Act, Act. With, oh, yeah. which opened up the Philippine Military Academy to women, and every male in the security sector rejected that 
but you know if we are just allowed the the process to go through and now women are at the Philippine Military Academy and doing extremely well and that law was also uh, the first time there was mentioned that government has to have a certain percentage of the budget to support. Yeah, that, that was the first time it was mentioned, yes. And then Senator Shahani later on passed the Magna Carta, which uh, actually specified was 5%, right, of, uh, of the budget has to go to empowerment of women. So those were very important, Ayesa. And I think, yeah, it's really good that both of you mentioned these things because, you know, looking at all the ASEAN member countries, I think Philippines was the leader for, for some of these achievements, you know, like gender budgeting. I remember uh, only in the last uh, 10 years, you know, that there have been attempts in Malaysia to do gender budgeting. Like for one, when I was still a student at University Science Malaysia, you know, USM was also working with the state government of Penang doing this gender budgeting. And of course, who were their consultants? You know, people from the Philippines, you know. So, and uh, really, you know, uh, I think during the Ramos administration, a lot of all these important policies supporting of women's empowerment and leadership uh, really came from that, um, that time. And definitely in the field of health. Yeah. In the field of health, uh, right, Chit, what he did to support uh, reproductive health was extremely important and broke the broke the barriers. Yeah, those are the landmark achievement of the FBR administration. Maybe I, I would like to say that as a legacy, you know, transform transformative values that we learn from FDR, if I may be allowed to do that. You know, what impressed me is FDR was a visionary. He looked at the forest, not the trees. He told us what his vision is about Philippines 2000. He gave us a marching order. He gave us all full authority, confidence to design our own programs, uh, policy decisions so that we can contribute to this overall goal. He was never intimidating. Then he also impressed to me work ethics. As I said, simplicity, humility, decency, no? uh, be conscious of the language you use, your actions. To me, that's very important, work ethics, public morality. And then also the, the um, need for unity, solidarity, and teamwork. Get out of your box. Talk to your others, other sectors of this, of the society, the NGOs, the business sector. Be conscious of what they can offer you in opportunities, strength. Maximize them, use them uh, to attain your goal in your departments and programs. And then complete staff work, like the Vibinka principle. No? To me, complete staff work is not just desk work. Eh? During that time, as mentioned before, in cabinet, Cluster cabinet meetings, when we go to the regions, barangays, municipalities, then we give a feedback before the end of the day of what we saw. That is very impressive. That we go to the barangays, we talk to the community leaders, the grassroots level, and know their needs, their aspirations. And based on that, when you go back to our offices, 
At the national level, then we design programs to implement policies to respond to this express need. That to me is very important. That to me is complete staff work. Also, leadership by example. Say, how can you demand, you know, if you yourself is not a model? And we saw that in FBR. Honesty, integrity, resolve, uh, perseverance, hard work. So, yeah, this, so that's it. Uh, those are the transformative uh, leadership traits that, you know, I hope our future leaders, those in governance, will also learn from the experience of FBR. I'm glad Chit mentioned the cabinet meetings in the provinces because do you, do you remember every month one of our cabinet meetings would be held in the province and the cabinet members would have to live a day ahead, do the consultations with our constituencies. And then the next day when you had the cabinet meeting, you gave the feedback to the yeah, president. You to and, report, yeah. yeah. And I think this was a sign, really a, a very clear example about how consultative he was. I mean, he's a military man, but he didn't just order stuff. He wanted people at the ground level to feel connected with government. So these regional meetings, the cabinet meetings at the regional and the provincial level were very important to him. And Tabi, do you remember how he would have summit upon summit upon summit? I mean, there was a time when I would say, oh my God, another summit. And then it occurred to me that he wanted these summits because he wanted every single citizen and and their representatives to know that he was listening to them. So you have women's summit, you have the cooperative summit, you have education summit. Every it it, it seemed like shit every week, but there was a summit every week, right? But he could gather all of the input and somehow because of CSW completed staff work, it would find its way into the national development uh, plan. So yeah, very the yeah. famous 24-7. <laughs> well, all of us agree to uh, President Ramos' legacy, but you mentioned something, you know, that triggered me. You know, nonetheless, he is a military person, you know, a general who became president. And to other society in, in our region, that is something that remains to be, you know, an issue, especially at this just this week, you know, uh, Prime Minister of Thailand, uh, General Prayut, his term of office is being questioned, you know, uh, coming out from a coup d'etat and then taking power. And now he won, uh, and although you know, three, uh, he was elected you know, eventually in another election, still, you know, that kind of dynamics in a country, you know, a, a military official becoming prime minister. And we have more of these examples in Myanmar. Uh, in Cambodia, in in um, uh, place in in other places. So, uh, what what do you think? How do we explain this to our you know to to other people outside of the Philippines? That yes, well, Ramos was a military man. You know, he nonetheless he was a very good leader. But how do we uh, explain you know the dynamics that can we really support military leaders to become politicians? What do you think? Oh, I think, Kayesa. I don't think. FBR was unique. Unusual, yes. 
a very, very unusual, very unique. Uh, his experiences, the uh, the family members who influenced him, I, I don't think it can be replicated. But now that you mention the rise of authoritarianism, and since we're running out of time as usual, I was hoping that uh, Dr. Chitri Odika and then Dr. Atati Likwanan could uh, share with our listeners their messages for those who are in positions of leadership or aspiring to positions of leadership about how a leader should be. Maybe start with you, Chit. Well, I think a leader should lead by example. Also, it can help as an investment rather than as, as an expenditure, as a major contributory factor to the social and economic development of any country. Also, empowering women, not only as passive observers, but active participants in governance. And uh, lastly, but not the least, as I said, transformative leadership, work ethics. Thanks, Chief. How about you, Tati? My message to leaders, both men and women, that the empowerment of women and the equality between women and men are the only ways to build a sustainable, just, and developed society. That is actually a quote from the Beijing Platform for Action, paragraph 41. So my message is, all leaders must work to make genuine equality between women and men, with women equally sharing power and decision-making. We must make this the new normal, or I've heard a better word for the new normal, the new possible. So let's build back equal. Build back equal. Yep. That sounds like that's going to be not as easy to attain as build back better. Equal because is better. better. <laughs> yeah, I know. But build back better is not uh, the same as build back equal. That's right. We have to be more specific. Talagang equal. Absolutely yeah. right. You know, yes, uh, this has been really a great conversation. But I wanted to share with Tati and Chit and our listeners um, another quotation from one of FBR's uh, speeches. And, you know, this is, this is really fantastic for FBR to have said it. Um, he said, we Filipinos often pride ourselves on the fact that successful women abound in this society and that we have traditionally given the highest regard to womanhood. Women have made outstanding contributions to our political, economic, and cultural life. But largely, FBR said, but largely that success was still secured against the odds, against the prevalence of a culture of machismo, this coming from a general, against patronizing attitudes that continue to see women as the weaker sex, against indifference, if not hostility at home and in the workplace, to the interests of women. It is now time for the odds to change. Even as we speak of leveling the playing field in business, women must be given equal opportunities to prove themselves in all their capacities, 
beyond their traditional roles, which have often restricted them. Can you imagine such a leader? You should have you should have worked with him in government, Ayesa. When was this said, Amina? When was this? I can't remember exactly, but uh, it, it it was in one of the summits. <laughs> One of the women, one of the That's women summit. Yeah, when he gave that speech. So definitely ahead of his time. So thank you so much, Tati and Chit, for sharing this hour with us and uh, sharing with our listeners your experiences during the Ramos administration and uh, what we can take from such a leader and what it meant to be part of his um, government. So, Ayesa, back to you. Yeah, I'm so happy that, you know, I'm joining this conversation. There were a lot of things that I, you know, I, I learned, you know, just today about FDR, you know, especially when it comes to uh, how women uh, became more empowered, you know, with all the members in the cabinet, and that he was a gentleman through and through as a president. And I hope that he will not be a lone, unique president in this region. We really need more like him. Yeah. So hopefully that will inspire more women, you know, that to, to also, and also, and also to inspire more men, you know, to uphold women's uh, rights and uh, empowerment. So thank you again, Dr. Patricia and Dr. Chick for joining us today. And before we say our goodbyes, FBR would always end his talk by asking everybody, can we do it? In Tagalog, in Filipino, it's kaya ba natin ito? So I'm going to ask you and let's do our response. Kaya ba natin ito? Kaya. <laughs> yes, we can do it. So thanks again, Tati and Chit, and to all our listeners, thank you so much for sharing this hour with us. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye and see you again next week. Ayesa? Okay, again, thank you and salam from Kota Kinabalu. Bye! She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.